Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Michael Shogren. Thanks for being on the show, Michael. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm glad to have you. Glad to have you. Michael is the founder and CEO of Occupied, a technology-driven short-term rental company that specializes in hosting families, business travelers, and leisure guests throughout New England and short-term rental stays. An investor, entrepreneur, CPA, author, speaker, instructor, and iTunes podcast host, started his career as an auditor at an accounting firm where he specializes in real estate and economic development. Worked in finance for an international energy company with annual revenues of $15.2 billion, advising the senior leadership team on high-value complex transactions. Michael, thank you so much for your time. You know, I'd like for you to give the listeners a little update of you know, just what your focus is now, and, and we're going to dive in you know, at uh, the specific niche that you're in. Yeah, for sure. When you're reading that off, I'm like, man, how the heck did I end up in short-term rentals? But uh, so I, I majored in accounting, like you might be able to tell from a lot of my background work. And um, I got into the corporate world. And <clears throat> like many folks, I was told, go to school, get good grades, get a good job, put 10% in a 401k, and someday you're going to retire wealthy, right? And um, I remember right around, I was somewhere around like 29, 30 years old. My wife and I had just had our first only son, quite frankly. and. Uh, he had had some health challenges. And I remember being at a hospital with him for about three weeks with my wife at a time. And I remember all of a sudden I had this horrible feeling come over me as I started thinking, I'm like, I've been here for three weeks and I've used up all my vacation time. I've used up all my sick time and my paychecks are about to stop coming in. And it was this the worst feeling as a father and a husband to have to leave my family during that time to go back to trade my time for money for a paycheck. And in that moment, I vowed that I would find a way to create income without trading my time for money. And after that point, I started reading everything I could on real estate investing and passive income, everything that I could find under the sun. I joined a mastermind group and I came across this, this little niche strategy of short-term rentals. And somebody was telling me that he was able to generate in profit anywhere from $1,000 to $2,000 a month per property with short-term rentals. Like that's positive cash flow after everything. And I was like, there's no way. I'm like, you gotta, you gotta show me the numbers here. And short, long story short, he showed me the numbers and I was like, all right, I'm in, I'm sold. And so a few months later, after luckily, you know, our son got better and kind of grew out of that whole situation. And as a way to celebrate and as a way to kind of kick off this new lifestyle, we decided to purchase a ski house up in the mountains up in New Hampshire. And um, just like he said, right, we we bought this property, we renovated it, we furnished it, and we started renting it out. And like he said, you know, we do anywhere from a thousand to fifteen hundred bucks a month consistently in positive cash flow after all expenses, mortgage, everything. And we were using it every single month for at least four to five days. So like it was a, a vacation house that was paying us that kind of money. And I was like, I'm sold. This is the coolest business ever, right? I get paid to own vacation homes and uh, I was off and running. Now the challenge was that I had taken all of my liquid cash to buy this one property and I was out of money. So I'm like, okay, I need, I need to scale this. I can't live off of 1500 bucks a month. So rather than go the traditional route of a lot of the folks on this podcast of raising private capital, I said, well, what if I could find landlords and basically partner with them and create a short-term rental, essentially management company and go about it that way. And I was doing some research 
And seeing that a, you know, traditional property manager for, you know, small, I say small, you know, single family, probably up to 10 units, they might charge 10% of the revenue. For short-term rentals, you can charge anywhere from 15 to 30% and the revenue is four to five times higher. So I started talking to landlords. I started to meet up, educating people about this amazing new opportunity around short-term rentals and started getting clients one by one by one and started expanding outside of New Hampshire, outside around Boston. I've got one now in Florida. And uh, now we're looking to syndicate after all of that management company stuff. Uh, we're looking to bring in some investors right now. And we're working on a large you know, 150 plus unit resort community up in New England. So it's been a fun ride. It's been really cool. And it's just an amazing journey. Honestly, it's been the, f- the most fun I've had with work and investing ever. So Wow. So, so you, you started to find landlords who... I mean, I guess that you could help really change their business model to increase their income. Yeah. I found landlords that were just looking to rent their property, right? On Craigslist or Zillow or anywhere like that. And I'm like, hey, you know, I see you've got this property for rent. Let me show you some data on this new model that I'm working on <clears throat> that I've, I've got some data on. And what if I could increase your revenue by two to four X? And they were like, well, what's the catch? And I'm like, there's no catch. It's just, it's a different model, right? We're, we're renting your property out by the night instead of by the year. You know, a lot of people said no, a lot of people were scared and everything else. But, you know, the first couple that said yes, we got some data after a few months. And, you know, just like I told them, you know, there were two to four X in their top line revenue on, on these properties. So, um, yeah, it's been fun. So where can I do this? Are there specific locations? Are there, you know, is it just wide open? Is it any city? Is it, you know, where can, can we do short term rentals? Yeah. So as this niche matures over the next couple of years, some of you may have seen there's different regulations. Every city, quite frankly, is different. So I typically avoid any major city. So like I said, I'm, I live just outside of Boston. I don't operate within Boston. I operate about 30 to 45 minutes outside of Boston. Any large major metro, major city that has a quote unquote, like lack of affordable housing, they typically don't like short-term rentals just because they're like, hey, we need inventory for people to live here, right? So I typically stay 30 to 45 minutes outside. But as far as like, would it work in a market? First, just Google like short-term rental ordinance and enter your city name. And then that'll tell you if it's legal or not. The most common restrictions I see are, you know, owner-occupied or the limited number of days in certain major cities. But other than that, it's, it's pretty new. And when a lot of people think of short-term rentals, they think of vacations. One of the things that I talk about a lot, there's actually nine different traveler profiles. I won't go through them all right now, but if you think of it, you've got, you know, vacationers, you've got corporate travelers. If you're anywhere near a university, right, you've got traveling staff, you've got people visiting, you've got parents visiting. Any like vocational schools or like nursing school, it might be a 13-week program. They need to come to somewhere for a shorter period of time, a few months. If you're near a hospital, right, like the situation I was talking about earlier, we were there for, you know, three weeks at a time. That's very common, especially at, you know, some larger or specialized medical facilities. So those are just a few And then just in general, there's just lifestyle events. No matter where you live, people move away and then they come back for birthdays, weddings, funerals, wakes, all all sorts of life events. So I want to ask you, like, uh, as far as, you know, multifamily properties, complexes, is that something we could incorporate? Is that something, you know, if I have a, you know, we just closed on 180 unit property, you know, is that something I could consider? Like, say, okay, I'm going to take two units or maybe to start with and convert them to short-term rentals? Absolutely. So one of the friend of mine from my mastermind group, he operates down in Southern Texas and similar, right? He owns a lot of apartment complexes and he's starting to transition a percentage, about 10% of his units to short-term rentals where he'll furnish them 
and he's generating fantastic cash flow. And I just had a call yesterday with an operator up in Canada who's doing the same thing and starting to switch her portfolio, starting to allocate some of her units to short-term rentals. Wow. So it'll say I have, uh, you know, let's say like that, that deal specifically, you know, obviously we have, you know, professional management that's managing the day-to-day operations. So, you know, would I be, or I guess, you know, how would that work? Would I say, okay, you know, management company A, these two units now you're not managing other than maybe maintenance and, you know, some direct things like that. But, but then I'm going to hire somebody like yourself to say, you know, okay, now, Michael, you're managing, you know, these two units. Yes, you could go that route or like I teach my students, right? Like the portfolio that I have now, I have all the systems in place that I can manage that portfolio in less than two hours a week, just because so much of it can be automated through all the amazing technology that we have. So a lot of folks, myself included, when I first looked at this business, I'm like, it looks like great cash flow, but it's going to be way more work than just hiring a management company like you know traditional large multifamily investing. But the truth is, if you have the right systems in place, you can automate 95% of the business. So if you, if you wanted to, you could do it yourself or you could definitely hire somebody like myself, but this is all we do now. Wow. Can you give some examples of how you're automating or maybe some tools that we could even use you know, that you've found to be very useful that we could use in a syndication business as well. Yeah, absolutely. So there's four systems that you really need. We can talk about a couple of them, but the first one is pricing. So similar to hotels, right? If you go online or airlines or anything, you'll notice those prices change every single day, right? So I use a, a software, there's a bunch of them out there, um, but I use a software called Price Labs and that automatically adjusts my rates every single day to maximize my occupancy and my revenue throughout all my properties. And I'll go in and review it once a week on Monday mornings and just kind of see how I'm doing and certain things and maybe tweak things here and there, but that that handles the majority of it. You need a communication or like a channel manager. So if I put properties on Airbnb, HomeAway, Booking.com, Expedia, all of those, you need to make sure that those calendars sync up and that all the messages on all the platforms come together and you want to automate most of those messages because... You know, I get thousands of messages a month. I don't want to sit behind my phone or my computer and answer all those messages. So there's different softwares that you can use to manage that. A lot of them even have artificial intelligence. So if somebody's like, hey, where's the pool? It'll detect a question about the pool and it'll send a response about the pool. So... Yeah, or something simple about how to get in or a code or address, or it can just know exactly what what to say. That's awesome. Third one is around access and security. So we'll talk about this one because this is a common concern for most investors, right? So access... There's a bunch of different Wi-Fi locks that you can use. So nobody ever gets a, a key to one of my properties unless it's an emergency and they have to use one of the lock boxes. But I use a Wi-Fi lock system called August Home. And that platform integrates directly with Airbnb, HomeAway, and a bunch of the platforms. So anytime somebody books my properties, it automatically sends them an email that says, Hey, here's your unique code and Here's how you can download the app to access the property. And that code is only valid during their stay. So from a 4 p.m. on check-in date to 11 a.m. on checkout date, after that, that code no longer works. So from a security standpoint, nobody's going off, could possibly go off and make duplicate keys or anything. Then kind of have a four-step system. So you've got the Wi-Fi locks. I use a ring security camera on the outside of every property. So their, their profile, right? Their government ID, profile photo, everything has to match on the August, which has to match on the ring security camera. So if somebody says, hey, I'm coming with my wife and two kids, and then they show up and I see that there's 14 people there, I know that there's an issue and I can send somebody from my team or call the police and get them out of there. Inside the property, probably the coolest piece of technology, and I was actually just hanging out with the 
one of the co-founders earlier, is called NoiseAware. And what this little device does, it's about the size of this mouse, and you can plug it into an outlet in the property, and it measures noise levels. It doesn't record, you can't hear conversations or anything, but all it does is measure decibels. So I can program that thing to say from between 10 p.m. and 8 a.m., which are my standard quiet hours, if it goes over this, this baseline threshold, it'll text me immediately. So it's happened three times over the last two years, right? Happened, I shouldn't say that. The first time before I had all this cool stuff, somebody did trash my place. Then I upgraded and added all this stuff, right? So it's happened three times and I just you know, either send a message or I call the guests and I just say, hey, hope you're having a great time. I don't want to be the party pooper, but I did just get a noise complaint from one of our neighbors. Again, I don't want to be the bad guy, but we got to keep it down. Just like you agreed our house rules, our quiet hours are 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. And every time they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize how loud we were being. We'll tone it down. And it, you know, that was it. That was the end of it. That's interesting. We were staying at Airbnb not too long ago. And I think that there was something about that in the, in the rules, you know, it mentioned something like that. I wasn't sure what it was, but uh, but next time I'm going to have a horn or something to blow in. You know? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So, no, I'm just kidding. So, the, the uh, but I was going to ask you, the Ring security camera, I've seen those and that's interesting. You know, are you actually the one looking at the people, you know, when they do that? I used to look every single time. Quite frankly, now I'll only check it if I think something's off or there's some issue that comes up. Is it recording? Yes. So you can, there's different subscriptions. I pay for the subscription that they, they keep it for like 30 days. So it's all motion detector. So you can set it to record constantly or I just have it on motion. So I'm not burning through batteries all the time. Um, so when there's motion, it records for a minute, but it's nice, you know, as a form of record. If again, if you're, if the, if you go back to the guest and say, Hey, I see 10 people there. There were 10 people there. I'm going to charge you extra for those extra people. And they say, no, there wasn't. And I can say, yes, there was. I have the video footage here you know, and submit that. So no, I like that. And so what about safety for other tenants? If I have a multifamily property and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this with a couple of units just to test it out. What about safety, you know, for the, you know, obviously the person that that's our home right next door. Yeah, absolutely. So I should have went back and explained this better earlier, but the only way that somebody can just book my place instantly without me approving them is if they have a completed profile, which means, you know, their verified name, email address, phone number, government issued ID, and they've already had a positive review from another host. So they've already used the platform and somebody else like me already hosted them and said, this was a good guest. They were great. They took care of the property. That's the only way that you can book my place without me like physically approving you. Otherwise, you have to send me a message or quite frankly, my team a message now and say, hey, I'm coming to the area for XYZ. There's going to be X number of guests. It's my wife, my two kids, or you know, my brother-in-law or a couple buddies, whatever and just lay that all out. But they have to have everything completed. And then I could just check the security cameras if I felt anything was off. But I typically don't rent. I shouldn't say typically. I don't rent to people under 25. And I kind of have those baseline rules in there. So nice. So so I guess it, as they're looking through Airbnb or whatever, like it knows their age. Is that or And so it's just not going to show your place if, if you're not if you're not open to that, if they're under 25. VRBO has done a better job with that. For Airbnb, I got to do a little bit more digging and kind of looking people up. I actually just came back from Puerto Rico the other two days ago from a mastermind event from short-term rental operators. And a gentleman was working on a new software that he's rolling out that will automatically run background checks and screen every single guest as like a service. And it just links up with all the profiles. Um, so he's going to be launching that pretty soon, which will be really cool. It's called uh, auto host. What's the best platform? If we're traveling, we need Airbnb, VRBO, which one? 
I love Airbnb. The platform is super easy to use. What I find is VRBO does better for large resorts. Like if you're going for like a huge like villa, like we just stayed at in Puerto Rico, typically HomeAway is going to have more of that style or VRBO. Airbnb though, I, I just find it super easy to use. I would say 98% of my bookings come through Airbnb. There's so many people on that platform. I think 1.4 million new people are joining every single week. So I mean, it's, it's massive. So I want to hear about, uh, you know, as much as you can share about, you know, how you're moving forward and growing your business and, and, you know, and incorporating the syndication in in this short-term rental as well. Yeah, absolutely. So like I mentioned, I've started picking up management clients, you know, onesies, twosies, two families, three families here and there. But just like multifamily, if I want to ramp up and scale faster, you know, I'm going to raise money and I'm going to go for larger properties. So as of right now, we're finalizing an LOI with an owner. So I can't talk too many details because we don't have it technically under contract yet, but it's over 150 units. It's a resort of condos. So you know, if you purchase one of these condos, you can put it in the management pool. It's a vacation community. So you can use it whenever you want. And then if you want us to manage it, we can manage it for you for a fee. But that deal, you know, you're looking at over 10 million for that deal with about a $4 million raise. So I don't have that capital myself, like I'm sure most of the folks listening to this. So, you know, we're going the traditional syndication route with that deal. We'll raise about four million. So we'll do about two million in capital improvements. And then um ideally I want to finance those in. So it'd be about a twelve million dollar purchase price, raise about thirty percent, and then you know, factor in another few hundred thousand in closing costs and surveys and everything else. So about a four million dollar raise for that project. And we're anticipating Uh, being able to double the NOI on that property just based on the technology that we're using. I mean, that's cutting drastically down their overhead and expenses as they are, and then getting them on more of these online platforms like Airbnb, HomeAway, everything else. So Wow. So so a lot of the same things we would look for in a value-add property, mismanagement or something. I mean, you're going to be looking for those same things, but now you can bring this other model into into this complex, really, that we would be looking for. Maybe we're expecting... You know, specific kind of income or NOI, but because you have this other model, you'll be able to increase that a lot more. Uh, it's I, I would imagine it's um, more a management heavy, or you know, is that correct? I mean, it's, a lot of it's automated, but how? But I just meant since it's like daily. I think the difference is you have like I would have a staff of cleaners, whether I contracted them or bring them on as FTEs into like the management company. And then linens, right? So I would either hire a linen service like a, uh, like a hotel does. So they l- grab all the dirty sheets and towels and then they send it off to some company that cleans them and brings them back. Or I keep it in-house. Like right now they have an offsite laundry facility that they own. So they do all the laundry in-house. But all the other stuff, you know, you've got your handyman running around doing what they got to do. Right now they have a leasing office, but I don't quite frankly think I need that with this model because I can allow people to self-check in. I may keep that just to have a face up front and kind of welcome folks, but you don't technically need it with this model. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, what's a con? You know, what's, uh, you know, we've mentioned a lot of pros, but what's a con for, from short-term rentals? Yeah. I mean, the con quite frankly is if regulate, if they come in and all of a sudden ban short-term rentals, that's highly unlikely in this particular market, which is why I'm very comfortable doing it here because it's such a friendly town toward short-term rentals. So what I tell folks, right? A lot of my management clients are like, where should I get the next one? And I'm like, you could get it here, here, and here. But always remember, I said, it's easy to cash flow with short-term rentals. But before you buy it, make sure it will still cash flow as a 12-month lease. 
if you had to rent it out long term, make sure it will still cash flow. That's the advice I give all of my investors right now when they're buying these properties. If it doesn't cash flow as a long term rental, don't buy the deal. Now, right now, this is just the, the gravy on top is the way I look at it. You know, that property in New Hampshire, I'm getting a 30% cash on cash return and I'm using it every single month. But I know if something crazy happened and they changed anything, I could still rent it out and make a couple hundred bucks a month on that. No problem. Great advice right there. Yeah, I mean, because you can't control if they change the regulations on you. I think that happened locally where I'm living now. A lot of people were doing short term uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, they cut it off. You yeah. Know, so. And I don't, I think it'll, I think it's more applicable to us as larger scale investors. Like if you wanted to go in and scoop up a whole building and try and do it, it's a little different than if you wanted to say buy a vacation house and rent it out as a second home. I think that's a lot different. What they're, what they're doing in a lot of major metros, like I mentioned at the beginning is they just don't want us gobbling up all the inventory in a big city that has a shortage of housing. Other than that though, it's more just about, they're just trying to figure out what to do. And I think a lot of it will just be putting us on par with the hotels where they have uh, a permitting process, annual inspections, it's more around safety and collecting taxes, quite frankly. But it's not going anywhere. It's like cats out of the bag. Everybody's gotten a taste of it and it's not going to go away because everybody loves it. So now they're just trying to figure out a way to kind of put us on par with, with hotels. Okay. Wow. Well, what's been the hardest part of this journey or, or getting to where you're at now? Obviously, you've, you've achieved some success and you know, what's been the hardest part of get to getting where you're at? Getting started. Honestly, it was scary pulling the trigger. Just like anybody that's done deals, whether it's multifamily, single family, whatever. I mean, the hardest part is just doing it. You know, I had a lot of fear around it. I put a lot of my own money into the first one and it was like, I hope this works. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, once you do it, you just got to do it. Because if you don't get in the game, you're just sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, that's, that's the best advice. And then just get mentors around you, right? Like folks that are listening to you, like you've been doing a bunch of deals, like you know what you're talking about. You're bringing experts on all the time. Like find people that you resonate with that are at the level that you want to be at and just model what they're doing. Like that, that's any business I go into, I always just find mentors to, to get me to where I want to be. And what's the way you've recently improved your business that, that we can apply to ours? Hiring virtual assistants has greatly helped you know, from a scalability standpoint and taking a lot of stuff off of my plate, you know, trying to do everything yourself feels great. I'm a control freak, but you can't scale that way. And it's not fair on your tenants or your guests to try and hold on to everything just because you can't be as quick as if you have a team around you. So getting out of that comfort zone. I used a site called Virtual Staff Finder and it was, it was pretty good. So you basically fill out a job description and spell out exactly what you're looking for. Then they go through their whole pool of virtual assistants They'll give them, they'll put them through a first interview, get all their references, get their disc profile, get their typing speed, get their English, the voice recording, because they're all based in the Philippines. And um, they'll get their best three and they send them to you with all that information. And then you just do the final, you'll do a video interview with all of them and you can hire one of them or all of them or go from there. And they charge, I think, it, I think it's like 500 bucks to, for them for the service, but it saved me so much time like going through and trying to find... Oh, so, so is that person then employed by you or I mean, you're paying them and you're not, you're not, you don't continue to go through the virtual staff finder. I basically, they're basically a headhunter for virtual assistants. Nice. I have not heard of them before. Appreciate you sharing that. So what's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? I don't want to sound egotistical, but I think just my drive, like I'm just, I'm, I'm hungry and I'm, you know, the work ethic, just like I'm sure everybody listening to this, like you're listening to this because you want to improve and you want to take your life to the next level. Otherwise, you, quite frankly, I don't know why you're listening. So 
you know, just that, just that hunger, right? I want folks listening to it. They can't see this, but you know, I've got photos of my family around me. Like I just want to provide that life. And I also want to be the example for my son. I see so many people telling their kids like dream big and you know, you can achieve anything, but like, if you're not living that, you're a fraud. And I hate to call you out, but like, if you can't, if you can't step up to the plate and, you know, live life on your terms and chase your dreams, why are you telling your kids to do that? Now be the example. I like that. I like that a lot. And, and tell us how you give back. For me, uh, a couple different things. So I love raising money for Boston Children's Hospital where my son had all that care. Um, so I ran the New York City Marathon for them last year and raised a bunch of money and we do fundraisers for them. And uh, I have a coaching program now and I give out a ton of free content on social media about helping folks get into this business. I'm just teaching people financial education and how to create passive income. Uh, Michael, you've been a great guest. I really appreciate you just explaining the short-term rental model and, and, and possibly even, you know, how you're incorporating syndication to grow this, this business, this niche, and how possibly we could even gain a little, you know, increase our NOI a little in ways that we didn't expect as well, you know, doing syndications on large multifamily. And, uh, but thank you so much, you know, tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you, learn more about you. For sure. First off, I want to give everybody a, a copy of the new book that I wrote. And if you do decide to go down this path, this will kind of help fast track you. It's basically a book that I wrote on the 13 must have items for your short-term rental from some of the technology I mentioned to different little amenities that'll help you stand out. So you can go to strsecrets.com slash gift and you can get a free copy of that. I also have a free 60 minute, 60 to 90 minute. I do it live every week. So you know I answer questions on it um, where I teach people the, the business and all the tools that I use and kind of pull the curtain back on my whole business. Uh, you can go to strsecrets.com to watch that. And um, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. I'm at the Airbnb guy. Great. I appreciate you sharing. I appreciate the book and, and that 90-minute video that you do every week. That's, that's impressive. And people can come in and ask, uh, ask questions. Uh, so thank you again. Appreciate you being with us and appreciate the listeners being with us today and every day. I hope you go to LifeBridge Capital and connect with me. I hope you go to our contact page and I'd like to schedule a call with you, help you any way I can. And go to our Facebook group, The Real Estate Syndication Show, so we can all learn from experts like Michael and grow our businesses together. And we will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.